you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from me. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee deedle weedle. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Michael, Down East Mike of the world famous Down East Mike podcast. This is episode number 101. We have news and commentary for Saturday, September 9th, 2023. We're going to lead in here with our motto that some of this is whimsy, some of it's true. The interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. That's a disclaimer so we don't get sued for saying something that's, you know, like on the fringe of being true or not. I don't know if you paid any attention to uh, last week's episode with uh, with Frank Norwood all over the the map on he, he was all it was bright lights, big city, the YouTube and camera and. You know, it was just, it was overwhelming for Down East Mike, I've got to tell you. And I'm I'm so pleased that we're back together here in this quiet corner of the internet, um, you know, where it's just an auditory thing, just, just the, uh, just the microphone and Down East Mike and the simple text on the screen, none of that visual stuff overwhelming us we we don't we don't like that so much uh what a ramble that was huh good morning all over again and we should remind you that uh the down east mike podcast contains absolutely no mean words you won't find any mean words here just wholesome goodness from down east maine and what we are is a historical literary auditory candy store and also, we should ask if you heard the bells in the door when you came in. In today's episode, these headlines, just like they are today, the stars sit out Emmy Awards to support the actors' strike, and that was from 1980. Isn't that something? Of course, today I think it's a writer's strike, but the same idea. A heat wave sends chicken prices soaring. Um... That was from 1980, yeah. And then electric trains were colliding, 1902. And a little story about a church whistler from 1902. Every church should have a whistler or two. And we do have uh, the illness of the incident and birthdays. We'll get to those in just a second. Right now, let's look at the world in international headlines uh, around the world. Uh, Hurricane Lee, much in the news, has weakened to a Category 3, but still forecast to be a powerful storm next week. Let's see what that turns into. It may come to the East Coast. I don't think it's going to wipe out Maine, but maybe we'll get the surfboard out. That will be fun. Uh, we, we don't need any more rain, that's for sure. Other uh, headlines, the Pentagon is looking to develop a fleet of AI drones and systems to combat China. I can't wait to see all those drones flying around. Maybe they'll disguise them as birds. Piles of rubble are left in the street after a deadly Morocco quake. They had a big earthquake there. Uh, several hundred people uh, killed. Um, I guess there's a lot of, just a lot of uh, 
lot to go over still. They have some aftershocks as well, and that's in Morocco. What else in the world and international headlines? That was a 6.8 quake, by the way. Um, not much else in, in the in the uh, in the world and international headlines, unless you want like uh, celebrity gossip, and we don't do that. So the main headlines: a Vassalboro man is arrested for allegedly stealing an RV from a Manchester dealership. He took this trailer for his own. It was over there for repair. And he took it over to Vassalboro and set it up and camped out over the summer. And I guess he kind of trashed it. They interviewed the, the trailer owner and she said, well, we're just happy to have it back. It was almost like it was part of the family, although it is totally written off. Um, still on the Hurricane Lee, nothing else uh, local here. The principal at the Gorham High School hands out popsicles to beat the heat wave. That's a great headline. Nice to see that they're still doing stuff like that for the kids. Too bad they don't have air conditioning. The cause of the Litchfield plane crash that killed two remains unknown. I guess it circled around for a bit at 3,000 feet, and then it finally uh, plunged into the into the ground. That wasn't too far from here, as a matter of fact. Okay, well, we have the illness of the instant. Uh, this is primarily a male-afflicted illness. Street stripers stress. Street stripers stress. It don't worry. It's, it's not widespread at all. It's not something that's going to come get you. Uh, street stripers stress impacts uh, typically men. Uh, and the stress is... Uh, it brought on by this is the person that leans out over the back of the uh, of the truck when they're doing the the road striping and putting the center line down and then the fog line, and the stress comes in where if if it's up ahead it's a dotted line he misses it and does a solid, or if it's supposed to be a solid line he starts doing the the single line dip. And that's where that stress comes in. So it's a seasonal stress. He doesn't have it year-round. And that stress is alleviated by making sure he gets the lines done right. But if he does a bad day and he puts the stripes in the wrong place that night, there's no sleeping for that person with street stripers stress. That is the illness of the instant. It doesn't get much better than that on the Down East Mike podcast. Happy birthdays today to Ben of Gorham. Ben turns, I think he's 28 again. He's always 28. When we first met him, he was 28. He's never changed. He may have lied in his resume. He's one of those overachievers. He, when he, he was probably in his 20s, he started applying for work. And, he, and then he said he was 28, and it never changed. Uh, so, so happy birthday to Ben. I think he's in IT. Also, happy birthday to Joel of Bitterford. Joel, is, he's an interesting guy. He's he's one that stuck. Uh, he's like at 50 years old too. Perpetual. He's uh, just time locked at, at that age. And I'm not sure what he does for work. I think he's a part-time pilot or something. And he dabbles in flipping houses. He bought someplace in Bedford, and it's worth millions of dollars. Oh, I just did a whisper like the president. I apologize for that. 
So we've done birthdays, we've done the illness of the instant, and the other thing that we should be looking at is the word of the day. And the word of the day, not that unusual, except that I kind of like the way the letters arranged on the screen here. Impetus, that's our word of the day, I-M-P-E-T-U-S. And it's a, a driving force, an incentive or stimulus, uh, or stimulation or encouragement resulting in increased activity. I sound like my lazy little dog. He needs an impetus to get up off the couch and do something, move around. The property possessed by a moving body in virtue of its mass and motion, the use of bodies moving suddenly or violently to indicate the origin and intensity of the motion. Boy, that was just a bunch of blather. Under the did you know segment, its impetus has Latin roots. It comes from the Latin verb impetere, meaning to attack, which is a combination of the prefix in, meaning toward, with preter, meaning to go to or to seek. Hence, impetus describes the kind of force that encourages an action, the impetus behind the project or the momentum of an action already begun, the meetings only gave impetus to the rumors of a merger. I'm not sure why we picked that as a word of the day. I think it was relevant at the time. Going back to 1980, I had a story here from out of uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. I'd like to have a town named after me as long as it was far away, like Pennsylvania, I guess it would be appropriate. A retired steel worker used a brass divining rod to find a new water supply Sunday for the town of Jim Thorpe. The town had only two days of water left in its reservoir at the time the strike was made. Amen, said Raymond Billum, 68, when he learned well driller Dwayne Myers struck a large deposit of water Sunday morning. The Lord was uh, with me on that one. Officials said the new well was shooting out 800 gallons of water per minute, the largest underground supply the town has known. Uh, the Jim Thorpe's water superintendent, New Billman, had a good reputation for Dowson and asked him on Saturday to see what he could find near the reservoir, which was seven feet low because of the rain shortage. Within half an hour, Bellman, a retired steel worker, told Moyes to drill down to about 410 feet and said, you'll find all the water you need. Read into that what you will. Uh, out of uh, Brockton, Mass., not a main story, but that's okay. Out of Brockton, Mass., uh, a riot was quelled. Riot-equipped policemen swept through a three-block downtown area early Sunday to break up a crowd of some 800 to 1,500 rowdy youths who blocked traffic and threw rocks and bottles after a scheduled hot rod show was called off. Can you imagine? Mayor David Crosby declared a full state of emergency in this town, 30 miles south of Boston, after police told him downtown was in a riot situation. It took 175 officers, mostly from surrounding communities, and they moved in with police dogs and tear gas, and the streets were calm at about 2 a.m., 
but glass from broken beer bottles and smashed cow windows littered nearly every street corner. Tear gas was used. We tried to disperse it first with riot formations, but there was the usual reluctance of a crowd to move and obey police. They were throwing beer bottles and banging on cars. Twenty-five ewes were hauled away in paddy wagons, most on charges of disorderly conduct. However, several were arrested for assault when they tried to run down an officer with a car. Isn't that something? They were rioting over a car show being called off. On this day in 1980, the stars were setting out on the Emmy show to support the actors' strike. It was supposed to be the biggest night of the year for some of America's favorite television personalities but many decided they'd rather sit at home and watch the awarding of the Emmys than collect them. The 32nd Annual Awards of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences came on the 50th day of a strike by TV and movie actors' unions against the networks and film studios, and and it suffered from a dropout of stars who usually populate the show. Strike just like there is today. Uh, what did they say? Lou Grant was the leader in the nominations, uh, scoring 15. It was followed by Movi- Movola, don't know that one, MASH, The Muppet Show, All Quiet on the Western Front, and The Cancelled Skag. It broke my heart when they canceled Skag. Just kidding, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, Heat Wave of uh, 1980. Boosting the poultry prices so on this day in 1980, chicken was going up. Just as residents in the southern half of the United States wiped the last beads of perspiration from their brows this autumn, the heat wave of 1980 will hit them again every time they buy a chicken or a dozen eggs. The heat and drought that killed millions of chickens in the south this summer have worked their way from the farm to the consumer and will mean higher prices at grocery stores everywhere this fall. In October, many of us think prices will be the highest they've been all year. Most poultry officials are reluctant to guess how much more chickens or eggs will cost, but wholesale prices for dressed birds, those ready for sale, increased 50% this summer. Old heat wave back in 1980. Had a story here out of the Blue Hill Fair. The rolling diner runs into a snag over soft drinks at the Blue Hill Fair. Uh, It was like Saturday Night Live sketch that came to life. The one that features John Belushi as the exasperated owner of the Greek diner that only serves cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, no fries, chips, no Coke, uh, no Pepsi, yells the short order cook in strained English. Jimmy Farwell of Bangor, the 71-year-old proprietor of Jimmy's Rollin' Diner, found himself in a simulus situation last week when he tried to open up a spot at the Blue Hill Fair. The mobile short order cook said that when he started to set up a place for his trailer, he was informed that if he wanted to do business at the Blue Hill Fair, he'd have to sell Coca-Cola. 
I've been in this business for over 50 years. I've worked the Blue Hill Fair on and off for about 25 years, Farwell said. But I'll be darned if I'll go down there again. I don't think I feel like bowing to him. The him that Farwell referred to is Phil O'Brien, the supervisor who oversees the operations at the Blue Hill Fair. If a vendor wants to set up a booth, O'Brien's the man who gives the okay. Boy, doesn't he sound powerful. O'Brien explained why he didn't give the okay to Farwell. I want to you know, pound the table here. I can't give Jimmy an exclusive on drinks, said O'Brien. Coke has had the drinks here for years, just like other companies have had hot dogs and hot dog rolls. What O'Brien did offer was to give Farwell some Coke decals to cover up his Pepsi Cola sign, and later some Coca-Cola was brought over to the Bangor Man's trailer for him to sell. Now you sell that Coke. Article goes on for some time, uh, but it's amazing what... Uh, what, what what goes on at these places, all in the name of soft drinks. How about, let's roll it back even further to this day in 1902, where the American schooner yacht Intrepid, with her owner, Lloyd Phoenix, and a party of friends on board, of course there was a party there, they sailed from Halifax on Sunday afternoon for New York. The yacht returned to port an hour uh, an hour after sailing, because the jaboom was carried away in a heavy sea. Uh, two electric cars on the Fort Snelling line out of St. Paul collided late Sunday night. Ten persons were taken to the city hospital, St. Paul. They were suffering from injuries received in the wreck. It's not known who was to blame for the accident, but the cars met full speed on Hamline Avenue. Sounds like somebody needed to hit the switch there, and they didn't. The seven-masted schooner Thomas Lawson will sail from Four River Ship and Ship and Engine Company's works on Monday. Her sails have been fitted, but a tug will tow her through the channel to deep water. Outside, she'll have a trial spin and then be towed to Boston, where she'll be fitted out for coasting. They're putting in some sort of a big building now at uh, down by Four River. And they've got one of those pile drivers driving the posts in every day. It's quite a thing to hear that reverberating throughout the city. Russia has refused to accept the decl declination of the port to allow four unarmed Russian torpedo boats to pass through the Dardanelles under a commercial flag. And it has addressed a note to the Turkish authorities insisting that the boats be allowed to go through. The port, it is said, will appeal to the powers in the matter. Nice to see they were getting along then as well as they are today. Uh, Saturday morning, the summit of Mount Washington was so white with frost that it looked as if it was covered with snow. Several parties who started to make the ascent on Friday had an unpleasant experience, I should say so. Professor Ernest Nichols of Dartmouth and Philip Fox, who arrived at the summit into Friday, they were going up over Mount Pleasant Trail and had come through a heavy mist which froze as it fell and covered them from head to foot with a coating of white. The temperature on the summit on Friday evening at 8 o'clock was 29 degrees. 
gets cold up there. Uh, to save the life of their brother, Robert, who had been badly burned by an electric current, Clyde and Lewis Paris of Great Barrington, Mass., went to Winstead, Connecticut, and had 180 pieces of skin grafted on the body of the unfortunate young man. The skin is healing, and physicians are hopeful of the victim's ultimate recovery. So what struck me about that story was that it was an electric injury, first of all. I thought that was interesting, 1902. And secondly, they're doing skin grafts and uh, just very clever people that they would do that at that time. There was an innovation in Chicago on Sunday that, that attracted an enormous crowd. The innovation of a professional whistle in, in church has attracted to the Vesper service of the South Congregational Church, a crowd that filled over uh, filled every seat of the auditorium and overflowed into the vestibule. Carriages stopped on the boulevard, and I can't quite read that. Uh, people waited outside the doors. Three numbers were rendered, Rubenstein's Voices from the Woods, Lassen's The Loving Voice of Jesus, and The Holy City. I don't think they have any recordings of that great whistle. I think it's, that's enough newsy stuff. I think it's time for our main mammal of the moment, uh, the northern bog lemming. And, you know, I'm kind of, I can't quite remember if we did the bog lemming before. But you know what? Let's revisit it anyway. I mean, there's only like 53 mammals in Maine. We're going to run out pretty quick. 16,000 plus insects. So the insect or the insect, that's going to outlive me. But mammals, okay, the northern bog lemming, Synaptimus borealis. Wow, I love the name. Uh, the northern bog lemon is one of Maine's rarest mammals, and like, much like the Canadian lynx. It's more numerous in the north, and it reaches the southern edge of its range here in Maine. The northern bog lemming has been listed as state-threatened since 1986. However, it has not received federal listing attention. The northern bog lemming plays a critical role in the population cycles of many larger carnivores that share habitat, providing food to a variety of wildlife and their young. So it occurs in moist, uh, wet meadows or boggy areas, often in conjunction with arctic or alpine tundra and spruce fir forests. Frequently it occurs near a spring or other source of water or near lush, mossy logs and rocks. Specimens in Maine are associated with deep, moist sphagnum, both in low and high elevation settings. The northern bog lemming is widely distributed across North America, ranging from Alaska to Labrador and south to Washington and Maine. Uh, it's less common at the southern extent of its range, which includes Maine and adjacent New Hampshire. I just want to go look for a little bog lemming now. In Maine, the northern bog lemming has been found at five locations in western and northern Maine, including two sites in Baxter State Park. The species has also been captured in three locations in New Hampshire, along the Wild River, not far from the Maine New Hampshire border, near the base of Mount Washington, and on Mount Musiloki. Luki did that one wrong. Most occurrences 
are at elevations of 2,000 feet or greater. In other parts of the species, it occurs at lower elevations. Uh, the northern bog lemming eats primarily sedges and grasses, raspberry seeds, and the fungus endagon. Living on a fungus, huh? And so it's a small mammal, it's about the size of a vole, about one ounce or an average length of four inches. It's got a blunt nose, short tail, and somewhat grayer coat than the common red-backed vole. The upper parts are dull brown and slightly brighter on the hind part of the body. Toward the head, the fur has a grizzled appearance, while the underside is grayish. This description sounds like a bear. The dorsal side of the tail is brown and paler on the ventral side, and feet are a dark grayish. Bog lemmings have a groove along the outer edge of each incisor tooth, which similar-looking species of voles do not have. Now it sounds like it's something you don't want biting you. Two species of bog lemmings, the northern and southern one, live in Maine. They're very similar in appearance and difficult to distinguish. It's a bad day if you misinterpret what you're looking at there. Unlike the southern bog lemming, the northern species has rusty tip fur at the base of the ears. Also, the female northern bog lemmings have eight mammae, the milk-secreting organ of females, while the southern bog lemmings have only six. Yeah, I'm going to be counting those right away. The northern bog lemming does not have closed triangles on the outer surface of its molars, and it has a shark projection pointing back from the roof of the mouth. This is just getting darker and darker. We found a story from 1985, three lemmings trapped. The first species found in Maine since first specimens found in Maine since 1902. It looks like a mouse, but it isn't. It may not be as rare in Maine as experts once believed. 83 years after a biologist named B.H. Dutcher collected two specimens of the northern bog lemon on the slopes of Katahdin, two researchers have found the species again at the same spot. On July 19, 1985, Garrett Clough and John Albright set traps near Caribou Spring in Baxter Park. They had obtained permission from the park director and hoped to catch one of the lemmings, which are four to five inches long. In two days, they caught two females. Three weeks later, they trapped a third lemming at another location in the park. We know relatively little about the animal here in the state. They were looking for northern bog lemmings as they researched old, obscure reports of Maine species in scientific journals. Part of the Nature Conservancy's heritage project, the work was assisted by the state non-game wildlife fund. It was my job to figure out where to go look for this thing, Albright said, and we suspected we might find one at Caribou Spring. As far as I knew, no one had gone there, with the northern bog lemmings in mind since 1902. Dutcher donated his two specimens from 1902 to the U.S. National Museum in Washington, and a drawing of the northern bog lemming appears in at least one text on mammals. In addition, there were descriptions including body measurements, etc. In the 1899 Proceedings of the Biological Society of Washington, 
uh, yeah, uh, lemons, what else did they have on this? Anything else here? It may also mean uh, that the northern bog lemmings have been trapped before, but were thought to be another species known to live in Maine, the southern bog lemming, as we had covered. They're difficult to determine the difference. You just have to look for that shark-like uh, uh, part of their tooth. Okay, let's, that's enough podcast for today. Now let's take a look at the forecast, and we'll kick you out the door to enjoy well, what's left of uh, the heat wave that we're in here uh, for today. Saturday, September 9th, it will be uh, scattered showers and thunderstorms mainly after 2 p.m. Uh, patchy fog before uh, 11 a.m. actually. And then, and then it's going to be partly sunny with a high near 80. For tonight, scattered showers and thunderstorms before 2 a.m. Then showers likely, possibly a thunderstorm between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Then scattered showers. It's going to rain tonight. For Sunday, a chance of showers and thunderstorms between 2 and 5 and then a chance of showers after 5. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a high near 76. And looking ahead at Monday, chance of showers and a high near 74. That's a forecast. And uh, this has been the Down East Mike podcast. Until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you. Shopping hard in the toy aisle The clerk asked if there was anything I was looking for I'm just an old guy looking for a way I'm just a surfer without a for a way